0: I'm Andrew Constantine, and this is A Stick With A Point. Hello everyone, and thanks for joining me. My guest in this episode is someone I just grow in admiration for the more I get to know him. He's a person who has forever a smile upon his face and seems to take joy in everything around him, He's also a prodigiously gifted musician, the sort of talent you just stand back in awe of as soon as you witness it. Let's see what he had to say for himself. Stuart Goodyear, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining me on A Stick With A Point. My pleasure. Hey, Stuart, you and I have worked together on a number of occasions over the years and and, and had um, uh, some lovely experiences together. Um, And I've gathered in that time that really... You're an incredibly private person, but um, I wondered if we can if we can maybe explore your background a little bit more because uh, you you were you were born in Canada, is that right? You're Canadian. Yeah, born,
1: born and raised in Toronto, and um, my mother is Trinidadian. My father was from London, Ontario, a British background, but he died of cancer a month before I was born, so I never knew my father. Okay, uh, I knew him. Um, I guess, spiritually from his um, record collection, Um, you know, in the basement, all all of his belongings were downstairs and I was just going through all of his um, LPs and he had um, Led Zeppelin, Cat Stevens, Beatles, Rolling Stones, Joe Cocker in his um, collection. So that was um, part of my childhood soundtrack as well as two boxes of symphonies, which were um, the Tchaikovsky symphonies and the Beethoven symphonies. And somehow, you know, I loved the rock and roll um, and the blues that I was listening to, but somehow there was um, classical was my heartbeat and I felt emotionally attached to what I was listening to. And I thought, all right, I I need to make classical music my life from that point on.
0: And so uh, I'm taking from that that you're you're an only child.
1: Is that right? An only child. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That must have been
0: really challenging for you. Did you you feel kind of isolated in, in your interests when you were growing up?
1: Well, uh, yes and no. I liked um, my alone time. I spent a lot of time just uh, going through LPs and listening to as much as I could. Um, but I did want to communicate with my, um, my peers in kindergarten and grade one and two. And um, you know, I was a, a, a painfully shy kid, but I wanted to communicate. And that's you know when piano playing came in, there was always an upright right around there. And that's how I somehow um, break the ice. Was playing by ear, whatever they were listening to, and at that time I was, you know, I I knew um, the Nintendo themes for um, Super Mario Brothers. I was I I was also watching MTV and um, knew the songs of the Thriller album, um, Tears for Fears, and Sting, as well as you know some of some of the um, some of the TV shows um, for kids. So I would play that along and. Um, after that, you know, the shyness would be overcome, and then I would, you know, then friendships would um, merge.
0: Well, that's really interesting, Sue, because um, it it goes to one of uh, what I thought was going to be one of my later questions, which is, uh, um, I've always been, I think the word is impressed with how much you know about uh, rock music, pop music, all of that stuff, and it's obviously not an affectation. I can't, I can't stand the stuff. I like, I like classical music, and I like a few bits of stuff, but I know where my where my loyalties lie but you have the most broad-ranging tastes and and you can quote from all sorts of things play all sorts of things and it, it's obviously quite genuine
1: it's it's very genuine and um i'm always fascinated by uh, music from various periods and um for classical music i um until i went to my classical concert i didn't uh, didn't even know that there was a difference between audiences because i was thinking i just took it for granted. Well, I, you know, I, 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 I love classical. I love rock. And I had this, I, uh, this warped idea in my head that I went to, as soon as I went to my first classical concert, it was, it was going to be even wilder than some of the rock concert that I was seeing on TV and on MTV, people yelling, people screaming. And I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, everything that I'm hearing in classical music is way more wild and way more, um, uncensored than a lot of, um, the rock and the pop I was listening to, so I'm thinking to myself, "My goodness, if they're if they're responding to rock and roll that way, I'm going to brace myself for my classical concerts because it's going to be wild." <laughs> and then I went to my first classical concert. First of all, people were dressed to the nines, uh, highly perfumed hall. People were dressed, you know, um, like they they were taking names and. It was very quiet and you know with 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 movements you know if there was a wild flourish first movement before the second movement there would be hardly any sound and i think I was wow this is fascinating what's going on how come they're not screaming until the end of the symphony and everyone would say bravo and there would be a huge obeisance I'm like oh, i see so they were saving themselves until the 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 end of the piece proper and then you know i just got more and more intrigued and fascinated and i i was already sold on the world of classical music i thought you know what i want to be a performer i want to be a a concert pianist and um yeah i want to play for these uh for these um interesting um people
0: (laughs) isn't that an interesting thought as well you imagine if uh, audiences at classical concerts behaved in that sort of way i'm sure they do in some in some cases yeah yeah but it's never going to be the norm is it right Oh wow! So um, let's go back a little step. Um, so you've gone to your first classical concert now. Um, uh, how did that happen?
1: I- is your mum interested in music at all? My mum was uh, interested in me. She was very, very oh, yeah. supportive, and um, she knew that um, that was my heartbeat. So um, she um, supported me all the um, all the way. And you know, there were naysayers, um, so called um, experts that would come to the house. And they, they would say, oh, your son is not ready yet. Why does he want to be a pianist? His, his, his bone structure needs to be- develop all kinds of very strange excuses as, as to why they didn't want to support me. But my mom fought for me. And the first um, music teacher that um, took an interest was a recorder teacher. Her name was Mrs. Grunsky. And she fought to um, get me a proper um, piano teacher as well. And she... Um, approached um the piano teacher that i had for um for seven years and told him you know you 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 need to listen to this kid listen to him and you can decide if you want to have him as a student but you need to listen to him and then um yeah and you know the journey went from there so you you got in through the back door into the conservatory playing the recorder Playing the recorder, and also playing the violin. Um, I had a violin teacher for for a while because I I desperately wanted to learn Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto. That was a piece that I was wearing out on vinyl over and over and over again. I was collecting as many vinyl recordings of the Violin Concerto as I as I as I could, and I wanted to learn that piece. But I stopped, I stopped at the Mendelssohn uh, of Violin Concerto and piano was my main instrument. I really enjoyed playing the piano more. So um, I was more successful learning Tchaikovsky's first concerto than the uh, violin concerto. Right. Well, it, it sounds as
0: though, um, in a way, although I don't have a fraction of your ability, that we both benefited by having um, mothers who were incredibly supportive and who would do anything to make sure we fulfilled our dream. So I've spoken to your mum on the phone. I remember, and she sounds a lovely lady. I hope you mean this. I'm
1: talking to you, and she was so excited that we were recording the um, Beethoven concerto together.
0: Right. Wonderful, wonderful. Hey, so
1: when did you actually touch a piano for the first time? When did you play? Uh, oh goodness! The first keyboard I uh, I touched was a toy piano. So. Uh, Um, This is this this was how my mother knew that I really wanted to be um, a concert pianist. So she would play nursery songs by the colors and the numbers on the keyboard. And so I um, legend has it that after she played it, I would just play by ear uh, without looking at the colors or the numbers on the keyboard instinctively. I knew where the keys were. And there were um, upright pianos, neighbors had upright pianos, and every time there was um, a piano i you know i it it was just love at first sight i always had to play a piano wherever it was whether it was a grand piano at the mall in a store i was always playing and always playing by ear and then um yeah then that was the the beginning of uh a lifetime journey
0: wow that's yeah that's fascinating um
1: now uh
0: that takes you up to a certain age, and you, you're going to the conservatory in um, in Toronto, is it? Yes, that's right. Okay, so let's say everything is going swimmingly, and you're moving forwards, and um, you want to get into uh, into a bigger world. You you came to the states at so what age?
1: Um, I was 15 when I um, studied in <sighs> the Curtis Institute of Music. My mother was with me for positively
0: um, aged. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's so interesting, you know, now um, I was watching these videos of, of teenagers now, and they're being tested on how well they know the songs of, of the 90s. And of course, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they don't know, uh, uh, you know, the movies of Forrest Gump yet, or, or maybe they do. But some of the, uh, you know, a lot of them was like, who? Tom Hanks, who? Um, Mariah Carey, who? You know, it was like, a, 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 um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, <laughs> um, that, that's when I realized how uh, long ago it was and also you know going back and recording my piano sonata which was a um, piece I wrote when uh, when I was a teenager I was 18 and you know just going back to that period thinking myself my goodness wow there's so many you know so many memories I didn't think about until you know just uh, somehow going back (laughs) and uh, smiling a lot and laughing a lot
0: now, you've just um, um, uh, prompted me to, to uh, point out there that you, of course, are on a stick with the point and a point under totally false pretenses, because this podcast is designed for the uh, the great and the good behind the scenes who aren't actually performers themselves. But you're here as an honorary member
1: because you're a composer. Yes. and You wrote your piano sonata when? I was 18. And um... Uh, this was right around the time. It was an interesting um, period in my life because I felt like I was um, exploring two worlds, both worlds in which I was a bit of a uh, uh, a bit of an outsider. Because um, at my high school, I went to um, a high school, and I also went to Curtis. So there were two different schools I went to. That's and, in Philadelphia,
0: right? In Philadelphia. Just out for so of my friends,
1: yeah. So after you know, after the school day, then I would have my either my lessons, theory courses music history, uh, world history courses um, in the evening at Curtis. So um, it, it was quite busy. And then over the weekend, I would have my piano lessons um, with my piano teacher um, at Peabody. He would sometimes come to Curtis, but a, a lot of the time he had more students at Peabody. So um, So you came down here to Baltimore? I went to Baltimore. Yes. Mm. And then um, go to Baltimore for spend a few, uh, few hours there and then just come back. So all I knew of Baltimore until a few years ago was the, you know, the train station to Peabody and then Peabody right back to the um, Andre station, that big, long um, straight road. And um,
0: going back to the composing, you've actually been
1: recording a, lo- a lot of your works recently. Is that right? So I recorded um, a, a piece uh, for piano and orchestra entitled Kalaloo. Now Kalaloo is a work that I I wanted to write since I was 14. And there were a a lot of false starts. I wanted to write a work, a classical work, that um, I guess honored my Trinidadian family. And and, um, uh, it was like a postcard to my um, Trinidadian background. And when I was a kid, every summer, uh, my mom comes from a family of seven kids. And I would see my cousins, while I was um, in Trinidad, and my mom will have a, had had a chance to, um, you know, reconnect with um, her brothers and her sister and um, their kids, and, um, my my cousins. We would um, hang out, and while I was there, I would hear this incredible calypso music, and I loved it. And um, I think I said, "My goodness, you know, I go yeah, I go back to North America. I'm loving the classical um, pieces." Um, I'm listening to, and I'm hearing a lot of jazz influences, a lot of um, uh, uh, 20th century composers I was listening to at the time were very much um, enthralled by the jazz scene, whether or not it was Ravel, um, Gershwin, Mio. And I thought, well, you know, there doesn't seem to be a classical composer that really got into the Calypso world. So I was um, 14. And I started and I stopped and I started and I stopped and this was going on for quite some time. And a few years ago, um, there was an opportunity to perform with the MDR Symphony Orchestra with Christian Yarvi conducting. And um, they were talking about um, various seasons that were focusing on composers from different pockets of the world. Uh, go West, go East. And there was a, um, a season, um, Go South, that was the um, season coming up. And they were talking and I said, well, I, um, I talked about Kalalu, the Caribbean Street for Piano and Orchestra that I'm working on. And they said, would, would that be something that you would like to um, premiere in Leipzig? I said, absolutely. So, uh, um, you know, as soon as I came back to uh, North America, I was, I was just, you know, that's, that's when the ideas came. And just right before that, uh, the, my last visit to Trinidad, I saw Carnaval for the first time. I um, was there for two weeks and Carnaval is like a competition of uh, calypso and music from Trinidad. So there is a um, mento, which is um, the calypso that um, a lot of North Americans know and was um, popularized by um, Harry Belafonte. That style of calypso was um, Jamaican mento. And then there's high tempo, um, Calypso, which is called Soka, Soul Calypso. So that, that would be the abbreviation for him. And then I I wrote this five movement work. And um, I just thought, you know what, I'm really pleased with it. I'm going to record it. So I record that recently, and as well as Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which was kind of a um, inspiration to writing a work of my own that's embraced my background and music of the present.
0: Now, tell me, does the, the title mean anything? I apologize for my ignorance. Oh, no, no, no.
1: Yeah. So kalalu has two meanings. Kalaloo, of course, is um, a, a, a Caribbean stew with um, taro leaves or spinach, if you will, and coconut milk and various spices. You let it simmer in the pot. And once it simmers, then you um, put it in the blender and you add crab meat, you could add tofu, you could add, you know, or you could just have it by itself, it's absolutely delicious. It's a, a, a Caribbean staple. And that's the first thing I want to have as soon as I arrive in Trinidad, like, give me that callaloo. <laughs> Does your mom make this? Um, not for a long time. Oh. I, I need a beggar. It's <laughs> an excellent callaloo. I need to make an excellent callaloo one of these days. We'll see about that, but <laughs> I'll make a good callaloo one day.
0: And you recorded that in London, is that right?
1: I recorded that in London with um, Chenika.
0: Wow! And now tell me about that experience, because um, that orchestra is uh, a, a very recent um, um, arrival on the on the scene of the classical music world or the music scene over there. Yeah. Um, so well, I wanted.
1: To it. it was fantastic. I wanted to work with them. Um, since I saw a YouTube video of them performing Beethoven Seven, I thought, my goodness, I really, I enjoyed the performance and I really wanted to work with these guys. Um, you know, uh, fate had it that I was in Gateways, Gateways Music Festival performing Rachmaninoff's conjurer Number 2. And one of the members of the Gateways Orchestra was the founder of Chenica, Chi-Chi. And so we met and um, we talked about future plans and that's how the, rec- that's how the recording took place.
0: Now, what did you for the listeners explain what the orchestra is all about?
1: The orchestra, the, uh, the motto of Tenica is that classical music is for everyone. And for the longest time, um, uh, non-whites or um, um, musicians of African descent never felt like they belonged on the classical stage. And this was an opportunity to present themselves, to present their genius and their talent on stage and um, to show what they can do. Mm. So Mm. this is really um, a beautiful foundation and um, message to everyone that, you know, never think that wherever you come from, if you have the passion for this music, express it. And um, the audience will love to hear it as long as there's that love and that passion, listeners will be open to it. And
0: Chi-Chi really is a force of nature, isn't she? Absolutely. She's one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that's going so well. I really am. Now, let's, um, let's move ahead. You are, I have to say, you're a great self-promoter. And um, the reason why I don't feel uncomfortable discussing that with you is because the way you do it is um, not in a sort of, look at me, I'm brilliant way and it's not in the the saccharine sort of traditional um uh artist manager way um uh, but you know you sort of put yourself forwards as if to say hey i'm good i love music listen to what i do yeah
1: (laughs) pretty much sums it up (laughs) so what are your aspirations moving forwards Oh my goodness. Well, you know, in this situation where we're in right now, it's so hard to talk about future projects. I, I, there are future projects in mind and it's really, um, a lot of, um, faith and, um, patience and, you know, living day to day. But, um, there are some things that I very much look forward to in the meantime, I'm just, you know, working on repertoire, perfecting, um, composing and, um, you know, we're just waiting for the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Hmm. Oh, well, no, you'll never come to the end of the tunnel. I hope you don't anyway. Uh,
1: but uh, well, that, well, that, that tunnel will, ne- will, 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 will never be the end. But I'm saying that, you know, that the darkness that we're, um, that we're experiencing right now, that there will be some light. But um, no, 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 okay. that, that myth of Sisyphus and that climb, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever stop climbing because, you know, there's, you know, so many things that I'm interested in and passionate about. And I always want to learn more. Please don't go intellectual on me. I can't cope with it. Is just... oh sorry. <laughs> no, I was basically uh, reminding myself what I, you know about that climb. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but, but um, basically, what I'm I'm trying to get at is that um, it's a very competitive marketplace that you're in, and to an extent, it must be a lonely life as a soloist. Um, and do you, do you find the, the the way you try to structure your your working life is um, is is a way of engaging with um, uh, new people, or do you feel comfortable with artists, performers uh, you've worked with many times before?
1: Um, both, both. I really enjoy um, collaborating. I love um, working with um, people who I've worked with in the past and um, people who I've never worked with before, and um, it's um i feel like i always learn with every collaboration and um, th- just that give and take yeah um, i just feel like it it, en- it enriches my interpretation i learn a lot from who i'm working with so um i, I you know i love the collaboration process mm. Mm. well i think um you and
0: I first worked together about 14 years ago. We yeah. did the Emperor Concerto in right. Florida. One of us has aged and it's not you. Um,
1: and you, still have, you still have hair, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I do
0: and I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of my hair, hanging yeah. on to it. Um, uh, and, and since then we've, uh, we've done a few other projects, um, but I, I have to say that of late, I'm hearing of you all all over the place. Do you do you feel like you've been a, kind of an overnight success? Sort of fourteen years later.
1: Oh gosh, I don't know about overnight or well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't even think of I don't think of um, my journey that way. I just you know I don't know mm. if there if there is a peak coming up. You know as you know as, as we talked about um, in, uh, in terms of that tunnel. It's just I love every project and. Um, every concert that i do it's something that i feel um very passionate about so um Mm. i just love every opportunity of playing and communicating with people oh
0: that's lovely i i i i like the way you approach music i really do and i um candidly i feel in awe of you in so many ways like a lot of people around you do and like i know that the orchestras we have worked with um do because you you have an amazing capacity um and as I say, it was about 14 years ago we first worked together doing, doing uh, Beethoven. That was great. And then we worked together again um, seven or eight years ago. And then just the other year, very intensively recording all the Beethoven piano concertos. And the way you took that in your stride in a very uh, concentrated, very intense period of time was hugely impressive to to everybody around you. And you you came out of that um, I mean, we're all dripping, totally exhausted, and you're, you're super cool. I said, "Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I Enjoyed that." Yeah, um, is that? Is that? Um, I mean, now let's talk about Beethoven because okay. that, that must be the center of, of why that was such um, an almost easy experience for you.
1: Because well, Beethoven you, is well, very you important. Guys made it easy to me. This was a real um, group project. I felt like I was among. Um, great friends Um, uh, you know I was with this incredible family for um, two weeks we went out for pizza we got to explore I've never been to Carter before so we had a chance to walk around I got some shirts Um, (laughs) and um, yeah it was just a very uh, wonderful experience pleasant just you know just doesn't cut it I was happy every second of that experience
0: and that comes back to a question of a few minutes ago which is working with people you uh, who are new to you and then people who you're comfortable with and a lot of people who who don't who are observers of the classical music world they look at scenarios and think well that conductor works with that soloist all the time that's um, that's nepotism incestuous whatever you want to say and yes. that's not right because you know you need you need either attention an unlikely tension of the new experience of working with somebody you've never worked with before yeah. or the, a, a totally different tension of working with somebody you're incredibly comfortable with and whose musicianship you you know and understand and uh, can help navigate situations with and that I think is what we came to when okay. we were working on the Beethoven concertos and that's why for me it was so enjoyable um, yeah. Well, there we are. There, there, people, if you aren't already an owner of Stewart's recordings of the Beethoven piano concertos, get out and buy them because they got phenomenal reviews and they just sound wonderful. Okay, now Stewart. Yep. Um, uh, we've discussed aspirations you might have, and we've discussed the way ahead and the uh, the, the competitive world it is. Um, but let's turn that a little bit on its head, if you don't mind. And um, look at the, the, uh, the classical music world as a whole. Okay. Uh, um, do you feel that we're fighting a battle that's pointless in terms of trying to convert people to, to an art form that is always going to be uh, for people who, um, who think about music more?
1: Gosh, I hope it's not um, a battle and I hope it's not... Um something that feels pointless or feels like, um, uh, feels unsuccessful. I think it's always successful. I find that um, listeners are always intrigued with classical. You know, Hollywood, (laughs) I always love making fun of Hollywood when it comes to depictions of classical music because they always um, present it as this very troubled um, art form that, that drives people insane. And I think there are a lot of practices that are like that. Life experience is definitely like that. You know, you do have, um, you know, some moments that, um, you, you know, you need to grab a hold on um, sanity. But, you know, it's, it's just a very, very grim picture. So there's this very, you know, um, romantic quote, quote, idea of suffering for the art. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that's only one part of it. Um, I think, you know, there's such, a great deal of fun in this world of ours and i think it's a world that will make people very envious of us because we like it's like every single second you know there's 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 a lot of work but it's you know it's a work that keeps us smiling and you know the, you know the more we work the more rewarding it is mm. and um, you know it's just that process so um i think we are converting people um and you know, more than we know. And I think we will continue to do so um, every day.
0: Hey Stuart, I have to say, I much prefer the way you answered that question to the way I asked the question, which was really <laughs> rather, rather cack handed, but that, that's, that's a, um, a, a totally laudable um, aspiration. I, I love the way you express that. Uh, I'm gonna wrap up this interview if I can, by asking you uh, a simple question that might not get a simple answer and that um, uh, you're not very old now, Um, but to this point, what is the one moment in your musical life that you're most proud of?
1: Uh, I'm not there yet, but I have to say that there are moments that I feel very happy about. I have absolutely no regrets. Um, a lot of great memories and, um, I'm proud of all of the recordings that I've done and, um, thankful of all of the, um, hello phone, (laughs) um, all of the, um, all of the concerts that I had, um, the pleasure and honor of, um, being a part of. So, um, I don't know if there's one moment, I hope there'll be more moments to come.
0: I'm sure there'll be many more. Stuart Goodyear, it's always wonderful to to see your lovely smiling face, but to, to hear what you've got to say about things, music and everything else. I'm very grateful to you. Stuart, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I hope you see what I mean by a positive and joyful presence. The wonderful Stuart Goodyear. Now, I know I've been a bit lax in my editing of interviews recently. Sorry about that. The pandemic has forced us all to pause and reflect on just what we're all about and what we're doing in life most of the time i've missed enormously getting onto the podium and making music with all my lovely friends and colleagues i've wondered what it was going to be like when we started again and if we'd all have the same drive and enthusiasm we had when things came to such a crushing halt last year so when we made plans at the reading symphony orchestra To come back to performances with, at first virtual concerts, streamed live on YouTube, we were all more than a bit anxious about the outcome. We needn't have worried. The focus and positivity were there to an even higher level than ever before. And it's proving a wonderful experience. My guest next time will be the soloist from that first concert, cellist Robert Demain. I think you'll be fascinated by this interview Bob is an incredible guy, fiercely intelligent and wears his heart on his sleeve every second. It's a rather longer interview than usual, but he opens up on his musical passions as well as a number of his inner demons in a candid and captivating manner. Thanks for listening everyone and please do keep your comments coming. You can find me on Facebook and it means an awful lot to get your feedback and comments. I'm Andrew Constantine and you've been listening to a stick with a point.